This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special Krista Makes a Podcast Father's Day episode. I'd like to start off by wishing all the fathers out there a happy Father's Day. This episode is, uh, wow, I don't even really know where to begin. Um, I, I guess the only word is uh, it's, it's special what I was uh, privileged to uh, be able to, to hear from one of my heroes. Uh, this week's guest is Bill Stevenson. Uh, drummer for uh, a Flag currently, uh, which uh, of course was Black Flag, uh, all and perhaps uh, best known for uh, the Descendants. Bill and I go go back uh, a, a number of years. Uh, he <laughs> don't know how to <clears throat> really say this. He I'm just gonna say it. He he was and is one of my musical heroes that I got to become friends with. Uh, first toured with Bill uh, back in 1997 on the Descendants Caffeine Nation tour. And uh, Bill uh, wanted to discuss uh, a couple songs of his. One's called Steve's Boy and the other is called One More Day. Uh, they are companion piece songs. So this is the first episode to feature two songs from an artist, but they kind of go hand in hand and need to be talked about together. Uh, they both deal uh, with Bill's relationship with his father. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> how these songs were cathartic uh, uh, with the grieving process Bill went through prior to and after his father uh, is passing away. Uh, just so my listeners know, I would I would never uh, exploit my, my hero, let al- anybody, let, let alone my hero. Uh, I had <laughs> had to uh, ask Bill twice. I texted him and then I, I, I called him and I said, are you sure? Uh, you want me to run this in its entirety? And he said, yes, Chris, I, I, I want my story to be told uh, about these songs. And uh, uh, get a box of tissues ready. This one's, uh, this one's heavy. So without any further ado, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Bill uh, has two songs that we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna work into the to, to the uh, to the show this week, um, and, and the reason reason being is is because uh, these songs are, are uh, uh, sister songs, brother songs, uh, uh, so to speak, or, um, or at least cousins, yeah, or at least or, or at least yeah, <laughs> or at least first cousins, uh, which is a great story. And I'll just preface this real quick. Uh, One more day uh, was on the Descendants record, uh, "Cool to Be You," which came out. Uh, I want to say in 2004. Is that correct, Bill? Yeah, sounds about right. Oh yeah. four, and uh, um, I, you know, I, music hits everyone a certain way. Uh, certainly, I I get those goosebumps and those hair that stick up like everyone that that that, that has a passion for music. But you know, I uh, and I and I have I have a, a soft spot. I can I can cry sometimes, and but you know, I can count on one hand the amount of songs that that bring me to tears or to my knees. And one more day is a tearjerker, 
and we'll get into that in a moment. But this song I loved so much. And uh, last year I was at Brack Rock with Bill, which is a punk rock festival in Belgium, and I was talking to him. I was sharing, you know, how much I love this song, and he said, "Well, did you ever hear Steve's Boy?" And I said, "No." And Steve's Boy uh, is a song that Bill wrote. That's the uh, uh, first cousin <laughs> to, to One More Day that was on a Lemonheads record that Bill and Carl from the Descendants played on in 2006. So um, let's start first, Bill. Um, was One More Day written first or was Steve's Boy written first? Steve's Boy is the precursor. Um, but the way I am with finishing songs and recording them and getting them released uh the way it turned out is that one more day was released before steve's boy but steve's boy was it was written first but i then i sort of didn't finish it and then uh so i i finished it and released it after one more day but but it's really the first song in in that story and that's interesting. And, 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 you know, that you say that it makes sense because when I went and listened to the song and I listened to it uh, right in Belgium that day, I went back to the, to my uh, bus and I put it on cause I hadn't oh, heard funny. the song. And- I was wondering if you, if you were going to do that right when we talked or if, you know, oh, if it was- d- almost immediately <laughs> I went, I went and listened to it and I was like, wait a second, this, this almost sounds like it was written first. And I, cause I know it was recorded after. Um, so, you know, take me back, and, and, and I'm going to back up here in a minute. So, um, you know, I got had the pleasure of meeting Bill and Descendants in 96. Less than Jake were, were, were granted, a, to, you know, asked to be on the uh, Caffeine Nation tour. And then, of course, we did a bunch of stuff with All and, you know, getting to know you guys. And at some point, I, I think I was having lunch with you, Bill, and you kind of were telling me about your father. You know, he was in, in poor health, and, and then, of course, he passed away. And, uh, uh, you know, so I kind of knew the backstories to, to, to at least one more day. And then when I heard the song, when it came out, like I said, it just it damn near brought me to my knees because, you know, it's just such a powerful lyric. So I guess, you know, we're going to start with Steve's Boy. That was written first. Steve's Boy won't let you die alone in the desert with fear in your eye. You can't break me. You can't make me go away. Um, do you remember where you were at and, and, and when you wrote that song? Yeah. Um, uh, my father and I had kind of uh, become estranged. Uh, we, we never had a great relationship, but at some point he kind of just told me to not come around anymore to visit him. And he was living out in the desert, which is like a, couple hour drive from LA where, um, you know, where I'm from. And, uh, so I didn't see my dad for maybe a couple years. And then one day my sister called and said, uh, Billy dad's in the hospital. And I kind of said, well, he hates me. And she said, no, you know, this is bigger than that. You have to get out there and see him. And I, I went out, I drove out to the desert and, and there he was, but he didn't look like my dad. He looked like my grandpa. Like in those, in those two years, he had just aged and weakened. And, and so there he was in the hospital. And, oh, wow. uh, so I, you know, I, I said, hi dad. And he said, Hey, and I, I said, I go, do, do you still hate me? And he said, no, I don't hate you. 
He goes, can you get me out of here though? And I, <laughs> I, 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 and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll try to get you out of there. So I got, they didn't want him to leave because he, his living situation out in the middle of the desert with no near neighbors or anything and nobody taking care of him, they deemed it to be precarious. So I had him, you know, release my, I had them release my dad into, into my custody, my care. And we went back to his house. And so from that point forward, I, I basically had to take care of him because he was unable to get around at all and unable to, you know, make it to the bathroom and things like that and cook his meals. Well, I remember, I remember you telling, to, uh, I remember you telling me that you had built wheelchair ramps and stuff. You know, you kind of fit your house for someone that w that was handicapped. You well, know? that you, you that was that was later, yeah. But so yeah. this was at his house in the desert. He had okay. these weird, like makeshift studs that ran from the floor to ceiling that he could grab the studs and kind of walk, almost like how a monkey bar works, but the studs were vertical, so he could grab onto one stud to get from his chair to the bathroom but he kept oh. he kept falling you know it was a faulty system he kept falling so i i uh uh decided well we i have to we have to do something and then you know my sister and i proceeded to set up this whole scenario where she and i would take shifts driving or flying to the desert and taking care of him but then we we couldn't do it all the time because we both had jobs so we you know we hot we hired a couple people to fill in and but then when we weren't there it it just was precarious without having a family member taking care of him having these kind of random people that live in the desert that we could that we could find to hire to take care of him it just wasn't it wasn't safe and he, he would fall and he'd lay falling until maybe one of his buddies happened to stop by but it's, oh. again, it's the middle of the desert. You know, one time I think he laid on the f f ground for a day or so. S so, you know, Kathy and I, my sister and I, we tried to to maintain his house thing there where he could stay in his house and, you know, we could just take care of him. But at a certain point when he felt like he could just make his way to the bathroom and back, he just, he kind of just was trying to tell me to go away and that he doesn't need me to take care of him and... I, I, but I didn't go away, and that's this is kind of what Steve's boy is about is just about me having to kind of fight him to for him to allow me to take care of him. Um, yeah, and if I if, if I can stop you there, just for my just for the listeners, I just want to read the first uh, the first verse here, just the first couple lyrics. Uh, Hello, it's me. This is for Steve's boy uh, that was uh, recorded by the Lemonheads uh, with with Bill playing drums on the record. Uh, Hello, it's me, your son again. I'll let myself in back to save your life, back to ruin your day. I can't make you well. I can't make you love me, but I'm not leaving here without you. And I got goosebumps reading that right now, Bill. That is just. I, I mean, uh, you know, that 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 kind of says it all. And this is coming from a guy, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, wrote I like food and wiener schnitzel. I mean, this is this is deep. <laughs> <laughs> this is deep, man. So, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Continue. I just wanted to share share those lyrics there just to kind of let, let listeners know about, you know, it's just those again. I, uh, the only word I have is those are really deep lyrics. Well, that's just what was happening at the time. Uh, I just kind of <laughs> moved in there, and Kathy and I would take turns sleeping on the on this cot 
because there wasn't there was just a one room cabin in the middle of the desert. There were there weren't spare bedrooms or any kind of thing like that. So I would just sleep on the cot and I would set the cot up in his little kitchen and I would sleep in the kitchen and or or Kathy, my sister, we would take turns. But at a certain point I I had to figure out some way to to take care of him, but also not basically just abandon, um, you know, my my life. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of what Steve's boy is about. Um, the the chorus is uh, Steve's boy won't let you die alone in the desert with fear in your eyes. Uh, you can't break me. You can't make me go away. And and that's just what I felt at the time. Uh, uh, yeah, I, and I, I felt like I had to be there. And but and he also had a lot of dementia creeping up, which I was young enough to where I didn't really understand what dementia was. So he would say rude things to me or mean things to me, and I was taking them personally. But I didn't really realize that the dementia just makes you do all kinds of crazy things. It, it 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 does it does. There's there's different stages with dementia. I went through it with family members where there's, you know, denial. There's anger. There's grief. There's all these things uh, that that come out. Now, when you wrote the song, um, do you remember writing it? Like, what, did it just come out one day? Did the lyrics come first, or did did you pick up a guitar? Uh, did the music come first, or did you write it all at the same time? Do you remember? Yeah, no, those things, those songs, they just come to me kind of in a dream. Or a premonition. I don't. I don't. Uh, I've never been much of a, what you'd call a song craftsman. I don't uh-huh. really sit down with the guitar and know, oh, this chord sounds good and that chord sounds good, and hey, I'll write some lyrics. Usually, I have these these epiphanies or these these kind of dreams. Like a lot of times, it's right when I wake up, or it could be in the middle of the night. I'll wake up. That's kind of my the songs that I've written that are good. That's how they came about. And the, and and Steve's boy was certainly no different. It's just, I mean, those are just kind of the bare. It's the bare facts of what was happening in my life. I didn't, I don't have a great imagination. I'm not a poet or anything. I, this is just what was happening in my life. All I did was write it down, <laughs> exactly right. what was happening. Right, but a lot of times when you do that, you know, if you write lyrics, I mean, these are pretty verbatim lyrics. Hello, it's me, your son again. But a lot of times when people tend to do that, it, it I don't know, it just kind of comes off as, I don't know, too, too, uh, not abstract enough to be a song. And these just, they, they don't, they don't say that at all. This just comes across as just, yeah, you know what it means, but it just tugs at your heartstrings. So back when you wrote the song, I mean, so you, you wrote this as a precursor to One More Day. Um, was there any... Uh, thought about recording this for uh, a Descendants or All project, uh, uh, maybe to be on Cool Cool to Be You or, or not? I think I hadn't written a bridge for it, so it kind of sat around. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits, to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. 
artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. Okay, because I, I, didn't, didn't, I didn't have a bridge. Um, right. So it sat around for a while, and then um, things, things moved on, and so then the, the next thing you know, uh, I'm... I'm moving my father out of his house and moving him to live with me in Colorado here uh, in a, in a house that I bought specifically that had this kind of side wing to it where I could wheel him out of his room. And I, I bug, you know, our roadie bug, you know, he, he built a little wheelchair ramp so I could get my dad out of the back room and in, into the kitchen into the main part of the house if he wanted to be there um and so i my sister and i we I, I keep saying i but it was my sister and i like threw all this together um we we loaded up his kind of reclining chair that he would sit in and watch tv we loaded it up into the front of the dodge van so i so my sister and i were in the two front seats and then my dad was kind of right behind us in his reclining chair um and we drove out and we we moved him into the house and obviously this was a big disruption for him but uh, you know and he he protested but i i didn't really know what else to do i mean it seemed like i did that what had to be done and yeah and you had to, you still you, you still had to have your life too i mean you couldn't be you know uh, running to the desert every time your sister needed you. Or well, he and, the, you. and the people that we were trying to hire to take care of him, I mean, out there in that desert, there's just a lot of tweakers and meth heads and stuff. It just wasn't, it wasn't safe. And I, yeah. someone had to make that decision and I did. And, you know, looking back on it, it was obvious, but at the time it was, I was fraught with confusion and, and also getting resistance from, from him. Uh, but so no sooner did I get him settled in there a couple days, he he just began to express real disgruntlement, and he actually started. He started calling the police, saying that he was being held captive against his will, and that he was being abused, uh, and and so, I mean that was you know this is just horrible to be thinking about this now uh, uh you know it's been 20 years or whatever but so the the police would come over and i would i would let them in and, and they'd say well we we understand there's a bad situation and i said no i'm just i said i'm just taking care of my father uh, he's in the back room here and why don't you come look around and so the, the police would come over and they'd say hi to him and they'd look around they'd make sure everything was like clean and tidy and that he didn't have any signs of any kind of 
abuse or whatever, but then then they'd they'd leave, you know, they'd apologize to me, but I would say no, I understand. I mean, he ha- he has a right as a citizen. But but so what what kept happening is he kept just being really rude to me and telling me to to leave him alone and just to not to not that he just wants to he wants to just die in his own house and uh and it was just that it was just really difficult for me it was uh and he was also rude to my sister and he every evening i realized there's this thing they call it a sun sundowning it's the dementia gets bad in the evening um and i realized every evening he was freaking out He'd yell at me and he'd cuss at me. One time he he peed all over me when I was trying to help clean him up. And uh, I but he did it on purpose. I mean, because I he didn't have a problem where he ha- couldn't control it, you know. Sure. And so he peed all over me while I was taking care of him, and 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 uh, and he would call. And he kept calling the cops, and the cops kept coming, and they just at that point it was kind of like a formality. They would just say, you know, hey Bill, how you doing? We got to come in. And you know they'd come in and look around and and uh, saw that everything was fine. I mean, I really took a lot of pride in taking care of him. I and I, I, uh, well, was, I, I, I know, I know you did because I, I remember you talking to me about it, and that was just, I was humbled that you shared it with me then. And I want to stop you real quick and thank you. Um, you know, you said this is still painful to bring up, but I mean, this is. <laughs> This podcast revolves around songwriting, but this is very personal stuff you're sharing with the listeners, and I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I think if people don't know those songs, they'll this will seem like maybe a boring conversation, but if they do know the songs, that this might really make them get a, a lot more out of the songs. Oh, yeah, and if they don't know the songs, they're going to go listen after they hear this story because the story's fascinating. So let's but, go ahead now but, to, to where... Oh, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. But so... He just kept telling me he didn't want to be there and that he wanted me to um oh, hang on hang on a second. Sure. We can edit all this we can edit all this out, Bill. Every time I try to talk about this, it's fuck. Um, yeah, well, I he I, said I, he wanted told... he said he he wanted me to put him in a nursing home. Uh, you know, which I I didn't want to do, so I I said no. I'm I'm your son, and I'm gonna take care of you. And. Uh, he just he just resisted me and you know he'd wake up in the middle of the night i had a i had a little baby monitor that i would put on my nightstand you know so i'm in there with stacy you know with my fiance at the time and i have this baby monitor and you know he would wake up a million times the night and so i was getting up every 30 minutes to go to go turn him over or to go to get him to the bathroom or to you know fix his pillow or sheets or whatever i had to do cuz he really could barely move and or anything and and uh he he then he you know he'd, he'd scream at me in the middle of the night or tell me why am i why am i why am i keeping him there like why are you keeping me here 
Billy. You you and I have never been really been close. Like why are you why are you making me stay here? This isn't my house. And a lot of it was the dementia, but a lot of it was probably just his his pride or whatever. I mean, what I what I realized much much after the fact is that when you take away someone's independence, you you really do crush their spirit. And this was the part of it that I couldn't see at the time. I was so focused on his health and his physical well-being and his safety that I wasn't thinking about his psychological well-being. I wasn't thinking about the possibility that maybe he actually did want to just die laying on the floor after falling out in his cabin in the desert. And that maybe that maybe that would have been the best way to do it. But I could, I certainly couldn't see that at the time, and it's like I was thinking, well, there's no way in hell I'm going to let my father be in a dangerous situation since he can't no longer take care of himself. And so he and he kept he kept fighting me, and he kept fighting me. And uh, one day he even said, you know, Bill, th- this this room I'm in is going to be your den someday your kids are going to play in this room and he goes i don't i don't want this room to be the place where their where their grandpa who they never really knew died i don't want i don't want to die here and i was like so i was so foolish and i was much younger and i was naive and i was like well you're not you're not gonna die dad i'm gonna get you back to health i'm i'm giving you vegetables every day and and uh, we're going to get you back on your feet. Um, I was I was delusional. I didn't really. I wasn't. Admi- you, you, you were you were in denial. I was. You know, I you- wasn't admitting to myself that he was. Um, you know, on his last little little time here. You know, on the back nine, so to speak. Uh, well, can 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 I stop you there, just real quick? So so the next the companion song, one more day. I mean, again, I I. <laughs> Every hair in my body standing up right now, Bill. Uh, the first lyric of the song, uh, folks, is spent the last years in denial, in denial of my grief. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. That, I yeah. mean, that, that's, that, that says it all. Well, yeah, so the, the, the sad part of it is that he, he continued to, to protest um, and uh, so I did take him. I did take him to a nursing home because I I genuinely had concluded that that's what he wanted, and that he did. You know, he gave. He finally gave me a concrete reason. He said, "I don't want to die in your, you know, in your guest room." And um, so I took him to this nursing home and uh what i assumed would happen is you know those places are not very cool i mean there's just that's just not a good place to be when you have if you have living family your living family should be the ones to take care of you not some random people uh so i thought i would take them down there and it would be kind of like a little oh okay is this what you want and then i just assumed that like the next day you know, he would call me back and say, well, Bill, maybe you're right. Maybe you better come get me, you know, which, of course, I would. Uh, but, um, I mean, no sooner did I get him 
moved off, moved down in there. Bug helped me move all of his stuff. Uh, he died the next day. Oh, um. Well, you, uh. You, you, you loved your father, and, and you couldn't, you couldn't stop loving him, Bill. And, uh, the fact that you're sharing this is, uh, I, I'm at a loss for words. I, uh, you know, I have to say, and it's hard for me to say this, um, I know you have people that you've looked up to in your career, but you're still my hero, Bill. Uh, your whole band is, uh. You guys, you guys paved the way. Uh, by the time I got into playing in my band in the early '90s, you guys had already played all the shitty clubs and dealt with all the dickhead security guards and everything you had to deal with to pave the way for for bands like mine to have a, a quote unquote career. Um, and just again, just knowing the backstory of this, and then still talking about it 20 years later it still hits me that it's never going to go away every time i hear this song uh the both of these songs now and um i just would like to say you know it's so apparent now that steve's boy was written first even though it was it was recorded uh, uh later because steve's boy is still written from the perspective that dad was still there when you get to one more day um it's all in past tense yeah. And and uh it is it is gut wrenching this song. Uh again, it's on the record Cool to Be You. Uh, it's called One More Day by Descendants. Go you know, if you're listening to this podcast, check this song out. If you if you have any <laughs> love at all, which most of you do for your parents, whether they're still here or not. And I think that's what kills me the most, Bill, is that uh you know, when I spoke to you at Brack Rock last year, uh, my dad was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's, and uh, I've seen his health decline. Dad's been my biggest cheerleader and supporter all these years. And um, when I when I read these lyrics, you know, I uh, it's life. Not everything lasts forever. And and uh, this song hits me harder now than it did did 20 years ago when you when you released it uh, or wrote it. Uh, it's <clears throat> came out in 04. Um, so let's let's talk about one more day a little bit. Again, the, the first lyric is spent the last years in denial of my grief because you hated me. Anyone could see. I'll always wonder what I meant to you and why you hated me, what I did to you. I mean, it sounds like to me at this point, you were still trying to come to grips with with what the, the hell went on. You went to the desert, you and your sister, you were trying to nurse him back to health. Like you said, you were young. You, you were like, I'm going to feed you vegetables. You gave him every wish he wanted. You finally put him into a home. Um, but this is, you know, you're still struggling when you wrote this song. I, uh, it's funny if, if you compare it to my, say my closure with my mother, my mother and I had a really good relationship. And when she passed away, I was at peace and I, it didn't, it didn't haunt me for, you know, 10 years. It was like a, uh, not to be no death in the family's normal, but I mean, it was a normal death in the family. Okay. My mother has passed away. You have a funeral and then you move on with your life. But the way my father and I, the way our relationship was, it just, uh, there was no closure. There was no closure there. He just, um, he was mean to me right up in, 
till the end, you know, like that last verse. Or the, the song only has two verses because it's got the big, what Carl calls it, the bridge too far. It's got the big long bridge. <laughs> yeah, the br- the bridge is crazy. It goes to all these minor weird jazz chords. It, it, I, I it, love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I was experimenting a lot with kind of trying to write things that were sort of chromatic or atonal. And during that time, all of my three songs on Cool to Be You, they all have chromatic sections, like where there's, oh, there's yeah. where there's not really a key. Um, mm-hmm. That Maddie, Matt, the song Maddie has that too, and also the song The Anchor Grill. Anchor Grill, uh, yeah, I was just gonna say. <laughs> and those all, those both have like atonal sections, and that that was just kind of what I was into at the time well, but can, but the can second I, the second verse um you know it says uh, and in the end we didn't have a thing to say still those games to play and then you passed away it's like he never he never gave me a chance to he or he never allowed me to 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 be his friend to be his son uh and um and I didn't find out till kind of around the time of his funeral when some of my aunts some of my aunts explained to me that my father was just always a very bitter man and that they frankly didn't know how it is that I put up with him as long as I did and that he was, was just his, was, was, and, was and that he was just a bitter man was his sisters your your aunts were they able to express love because it you know it yes. sounds like it's Yes. It sounds it sounds like your father wasn't able to express the love that he, he wasn't. That he, ex- he wasn't and they they blamed it on two things. They blamed it on two things. Um my aunt Adelia, she told me that he his their father used to just beat the shit out of them for any excuse even if they they didn't do anything wrong. They got beat on a daily basis. Now you you got to get this was in like the 1920s and 30s. My father was born in 1916. Uh so it was different times, right? But so they said that he he just grew up hard and then he grew and then in the depression he had to just leave his little town and he would just hop on trains to try to go to the next stop where there might be some work. And eventually um he he ended up going volunteering to go into world war two and while he was in his third year he got a dear john letter from his fiance and so i think between his father beating him so much and maybe just his inherent things in his personality uh and then the fact that he got the dear john letter while he was freezing freezing his nuts off up in the aleutian islands during world war ii trying trying to do the right thing i think it just it just made him hate everyone and and, you know maybe maybe the dear john letter made him maybe hate women a lot he he tried to teach me to hate women when i was a kid uh i mean there he had he was he was raised in a bad way too i mean he he was raised by a racist and all, all of those sorts of things that were popular back then and so so I guess my aunts, at the end of the day, my aunts told me I shouldn't, I shouldn't take it personally and I shouldn't let it 
weigh on my mind because it was just my father and it was just how he was. And at the time, their their advice went in one ear and out with the other because I had my opinion that I, I was just the most miserable person in the world and I was never going to get over it. But you know what? After years, you get over it. You do get over it. And things you start to see things from a different perspective. And I also, I started to see things from my father's perspective in that possibly I should have allowed him to just stay in his home, even if he did, even if he was in danger. Maybe I should have done that. I mean, uh, maybe that would have been the right call from, from his perspective, though it certainly was, wouldn't have been the right call from my perspective. Well, how were you, you know, and it leads me to, was it your mother? How were you able to love with your heart so much? It makes me want, you know, it makes probably other people wonder too, after all this story you, you've just shared. Oh, my I mean, mother, it, my mother's, my mother was very loving. She was the okay. polar opposite of my father. My father was all about take care of business and, and do everything on time, never be late, you know, no drugs or whatever, nothing. Um, well, because a lot, a lot of people would have been like, "Hey, my dad's treated me like this. You know what? I'm going to let him rot in the desert." And that you did, you did the exact opposite of what a lot of people may have done. You know, you're like, "No, you're my blood. You're my father. I'm, 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 I'm here to, as you put it, I'm going to nurse you back to health." I mean, I don't think I, I don't think I deserve the Purple Heart or anything. In fact, I, I think it's kind of shameful how common it is in, I guess more western civilization particularly america where we don't we don't take care of our elderly we kind of put them in a numbered room and you know come visit them once a month we don't we don't have it in in so it's many sad. cult so many cultures in the world you've got a house where you've got the grandma living there the great grandma and you know what they're the most respected people in the house is, is the abuela and the and the great the great abuela they they're the most respected people in the house and that in America we don't really have that so much it's as soon as you it's like as soon as you you don't pull your weight anymore we got a numbered room waiting for you man Carl Carl wrote that song it wasn't it couldn't have been a year after my dad died he, Carl wrote that song called Lock 'em Away and uh -huh. that god those lyrics are so great it's about it's about um everybody that just where we just put them away we, whether it's a criminals in prison or someone that's maybe mentally challenged and we just put them in the insane asylum or the elderly you know once they can't pull their weight we just put them away and Played the seven warning signs lock them away but not quite what you have in mind lock them away we've got drugs i i don't you know i don't believe in that and i don't i don't think that makes me anything special i think that's just that's just how it should be <laughs> no and and i and i wasn't saying that you know yeah you deserve a purple heart i just meant from the standpoint of again you know you you put up with a lot and you were still able to love through it all and and that's that's commendable and i know many of the listeners can you know can relate to that because everyone has gone through something with a parent i know i'm going through it with my dad right now i'm seeing his health decline and again that's why these songs hit me when you when you when you offer you know i had asked you what songs you want to do and you picked these i was elated because um certainly there's uh you know more known uh descendant songs you could have picked you have you have tons of song all descendants black flag tons of songs from your catalog uh but i am i'm really jazzed that you picked these two i'm i'm, I'm happy um you know, songwriting is so cathartic. 
did you feel any type of weight off your shoulders when you wrote these two songs? Did, did it give you any more closure with what happened? It, it did. Um, I mean, you could ask Stefan about this. I mean, the day that I sat down with the guitar and showed Carl and Stefan um, how to play uh, one, one More Day, I mean, I just was a a driveling ball of tears. And uh, I remember when I was done showing them all the weird chords and all that business, uh, then I I felt a, a, a lot of relief because I knew that catharsis was going to come, you know, that thing that I'm known for, which is my songs are just one big diary. That's what they, they all are. They're all a diary. I don't, I don't have much of an imagination, so I can only write from things that actually happen. And I remember there was a great weight lifted off of my head by just showing them the song, by just sharing it with someone. And, and then... Uh, and then the other great weight would have been when it was mixed, and then I it was like, okay, there it is. There's the documentation of of Steve, you know. <laughs> well, that's what that's what I was going to ask. The first, so the first time you you heard a mix back from one, one more day, the song's finished, and you're and you're hearing it put together. It's completely done. Because I'm assuming you didn't demo it previous to this. You just showed the guys the chords and the arrangement, and then you guys went and recorded it. Correct. I don't. I don't think we demoed it. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. I don't think so, we, I mean, we practiced it a lot of times in, uh-huh. our, in our practice room, but you know, our practice room was just right there next door to the, our studio, right in the same big building. Yeah. And yeah, well, I mean, know, the other yeah. big, the other big weight off of it was, again, I guess the weight comes in stages was, you know, we never played it live until like a year and a half ago. I remember that. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, was when the first time we played it live, I remember I was just like, "Okay, Bill, you just <laughs> just try to breathe breathe through it." And once you've played it one time, it's gonna be then from then on, it'll be easy to to it'll be okay. Like if you make it through this one time, then it'll be okay to play it from that point forward. And that's what happened. And now when I play it, I have a I have a smile on my face, and I think about. I think about my father and I don't I don't blame him. I don't blame him and I just and I don't blame me. It's just that's how that's the way things were from 1968 when my parents got divorced until 2000 when my father died. That's just how things were and it's not his fault and it's not my fault and I can actually kind of enjoy the song. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. For, well, I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's, there's a lyric, the lyric that got me, because again, your dad passed in 2000. We did a ton of tours with all, from, less than Jake, from 98 to 99, 2000, that era, uh, the Mass Nerder uh, era, that record. Uh, and, um, you know, we had 
we had, would talk about your dad and I, I knew the story of the wheelchair ramps and, and you know, I, I heard bits and pieces and then I heard this song in 04 and the line that, I mean, just tears me apart. We never got along. We never got a chance to sing our song of love. And um, it, it sounds to me like uh, uh, in, uh, in, in, in his passing, that you 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 are singing his song of love now. You know you you've been able to do it. Uh, uh, you know a, a, after his passing, you, you're able to go out and play the song. It, it killed you the first time, but since then you're able to go out. You're able to think of of the times with your dad, and and uh, uh, it, it seems like you you have had some sense of closure. Yeah, it's it's um, it it definitely brings me back to it, you know, talking about it, because then I'm I'm thinking about Miles, you know, my son. Uh huh. And uh, oh, okay. Well, here here we go. Okay, so <clears throat> you know, in the okay. So in the bridge there, I, I talk about I, I love my daddy boy, and uh, that was from when when I was a little boy, my my father would would put his arm around me, and say I love my Billy boy, and I'd say I love my daddy boy, but. When after my mom divorced him, and she bankrupted us, and he had to start working two jobs, two full-time jobs, to get us out of debt, he, he didn't say "I love my Billy Boy" anymore. He quit saying it. And uh, I'm so sorry, Bill. So, so when he died, I felt like I should say that to him. One, one more time, and, that, and that, so that's why that's that way. I know nobody understands that lyric, lyric why it is, but now, now they'll know. And I understand uh, it. I understand it now. Oh my gosh! And <clears throat> uh, so I'm with my son, I, I um, uh, when he was a little kid, I, I would, I always called him my boo boo man. And, uh, so, so I taught him, I taught him when, when he was three, I would say, I love my boo-boo man. And he would say, I love my daddy boy. And so I kept that alive or I re I resurrected it after my father tried to kill it. And I still do it. I do it every morning. I, when I see my son, I, he's 20 years old now. I say I love my I say I love my boo boo man, and I put my arm around him and I hug him, and I kiss him. I say I love my boo boo man, and he says I love my daddy boy, and I said I, Miles, I want you to promise me you won't ever quit saying that to, to me, and he says I promise, Dad. Oh, Bill. Well, I I didn't think that my uh, day was gonna be <laughs> talking to my hero and crying. <laughs> I got a three year old son, and and uh, wow, oh my gosh, Bill. <laughs> um, you don't you don't ever that's, get that's too beautiful. You don't ever get too old to, to to love to love your 
kid and love your love your dad. You don't you don't ever get too old for that for a hug, for a kiss. No, it's not no. like once they become teenagers, then you have to keep your distance. Yeah. That's that's absolutely not true, not necessary. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're gonna wrap up here. Um. I didn't know where this conversation was going to go with you today. I am beyond grateful that you were able to share this with me again, with the listeners. Um, this is fascinating from a songwriting standpoint of, of the pain that you went, how these songs were bore out of pain. And I, I can't thank you enough for, for going there, uh, showing your vulnerability today as a human being, because a lot of uh, quote unquote rock stars, uh, guys in bands do do not show that side of themselves. There's this machoism, you know, bullcrap that goes along with it. And uh, this was beyond what I could have ever asked for, Bill. Th- thank you. Well, thank you, Chris. It's 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 good to catch up with you. We haven't, you know, we don't see each other as much as we used to. It's good to catch up with you. And I guess if I was gonna ever try to tell this story, you you're a good person for me to to tell it with. Well, I uh, I am again hum- humbled and honored that you told it to me. Um, I didn't know it was going to take this turn either. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know that these, <laughs> I didn't know that just by talking about this, it would bring it all back right back up regurgitatively I didn't, I didn't realize that it would do this to me but now now i know <laughs> better better I, better to not talk about it <laughs> I, I didn't think i didn't think i would ever cry on a, a podcast uh and uh, i did and uh and that's okay <laughs> um uh geez i just uh um, before we go just is there anything you'd like our listeners to know what's what's going on in bill's world right now I'm actually uh, trying to put some songs together because we're kind of in the middle of recording a new Descendants record. And, yes. Uh, and uh, yes. Milo and Stefan are they're ahead of they're ahead of me and Carl. They've all written. Carl, My, Milo and Stefan have written a good good handful of songs, and I've re, we've recorded a lot of them. Uh, but I'm trying to get my songs finished and organized. I take the longest always. That's why my songs sometimes don't get demoed because. It's just like okay, I finished it. Let's record it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm always the last one, and then Carl, Carl too. I think he's still getting his songs together. <laughs> that that's awesome. And for the uh, for my listeners that don't know, uh, Bill owns the Blasting Room in Fort Collins, Co- Fort Collins, Colorado. The Blasting Room is a world-renowned studio. Uh, uh, they've done tons of amazing, huge records out there. The recent Less Than Jake record, Silver Linings, that's coming out later this year, was just mixed again at the Blasting Room. It sounds amazing. Can't wait for everyone to hear it. And uh, if you want uh, anything done by the Blasting Room, go check them out online. And, uh, yeah, get your record mixed there. Go record there. It's amazing. Okay, well, Chris, thank you for having me. And everybody who's listening, thank you. I hope I, hope I didn't make... And I hope I didn't make people uncomfortable by kind of breaking down, but I, I, I guess I, I tried my best not to, but um, I guess I'm not as strong uh, as I, I thought I would be. <laughs> I've, I've known you for 25 years and I've never seen you break down. That's why I'm, uh, I'm, 
this is I don't even I don't have any words right now, Bill. <laughs> I just uh, I just I, I cherish our friendship. I cherish your band. Your band means your bands, plural, means so much. Your songs mean so much to so many people. Thank you. I love you, my friend. Well, I love you too, Chris. And I guess we'll end on a high note. So I'll see everybody later. And Chris, I'm sure I'll see you before too long if we ever get back out to touring again once this uh, pandemic thing figures out what it's going to do. Absolutely, man. You have a, a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for taking the time for me, Bill. Okay, goodbye. A very special, deep, and heartfelt thank you to Bill Stevenson for being on this week's podcast um, and, and sharing uh, those very personal uh, stories with all of us. Uh, I was beyond honored to to be be a part of that. Um, to again have my musical hero open up on a level that I've never seen. Bill's a pretty uh, <laughs> pretty pretty tough cookie on the exterior, and to, uh, to say I was shocked uh, would be would be an understatement. Um, I was. Uh, uh, choking on my words a few times and, 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 and fighting back the tears myself and uh, I can't thank Bill enough uh, again I'd like to uh, uh, wish all the fathers out there a, a very happy Father's Day and uh, a, a big shout out right now to, to my father who's been my biggest cheerleader and uh, uh, when I hear stories like Bill's I'm reminded just how lucky I am so uh, uh, to Doug DeMakes uh, Dad I love you uh, happy Father's Day Thank you for always being there for me uh, and, and supporting me through through everything I do. Thank you. Uh, thanks to all you guys out there, all the listeners, um, for, again, for, for making this podcast uh, uh, so much fun and so successful. Um, if you'd like a custom song from me or like to do one-on-one video sessions from me, uh, please contact me. Uh, to see some of my work, check out my YouTube page at ChrisDemakes.com and email me at ChrisDemakes at gmail.com. I can be found on Facebook at Chris Demakes Official, on Twitter at Less Than Chris, and Instagram at Less Than Chris D. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, <clears throat> lastly, I'd love to get your feedback and input at Chris Demakes A Podcast Facebook group. It's a private group, but it's super uh, simple uh, to be a member. All you have to do is submit who you'd like to see me uh, feature as a guest on Chris Demakes A Podcast. So thanks, everybody. Uh, I'll see you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!